God, your words and your will today. We thank you. Good morning, everybody. Glad you all are here. Glad you made it out in the snow. A uh, little bit treacherous this morning, not too bad. Uh, for those of you, if I've got, if we got any guests here today, I just want to introduce myself. My name's Tony, and I'm the discipleship pastor uh, here at the church. And we really want to, I want to reiterate that welcome to you, and thank you for being here this morning. Uh, don't forget to meet Jake uh, under the sign. Uh, again, we just want to get to know you, and uh, we don't want anything from you, don't have anything to sell. As a matter of fact, we want to give you just a small gift and of, of appreciation for joining us. Uh, thank you all again for, for being here. You know, it was a little messy today, and um, you know, they say you're supposed to allow yourself more time. I, I live now, this is my first winter, about eight miles out in the country, and so, so I gave myself a little bit of time to get here. I thought I gave myself enough time, but then I got behind this van, and uh, no kidding, he was going like 15 miles an hour, and you know, it, it was bad, but I didn't think it was that bad. But I thought, well, he'll speed up as the roads get better and as the straightaways come, but no. Man, if he was anything, he was consistent. I mean, 15 miles an hour. I mean, he slowed down to like negative two in the turns. <laughs> I mean, I was a little worried about getting here. Apparently, this guy had a lot to live for. <laughs> so my wife says I got a little bit of a messed up sense of humor. I'll let you be the judge of that, so... Uh, as we get started today in reviewing this series called The Journey, I wanted to share um, about a journey that I took several years ago, and uh, it was with my son. We had traditions. That our family, we're full of traditions. We love those little things that we do on holidays and all this, but when my son was younger, uh, we had this tradition of just me and him going on a trip together. And we called that our He-Man trip because that was one trip mom wasn't invited on. It was just me and him. And I would suggest that, you know, whether it's a daughter or a son, that's an awesome thing to do. But the memories that you build are something that will stay with you, obviously, for a long time. This was about 10 years ago. If, if any of you know my son at all, you know he's a motorhead. He loves cars. I mean, from the time he could talk, he was making motor noises before he said anything. I mean, he loves cars. I'm into aviation. I love airplanes. But if I couldn't get him interested in that, if it doesn't have four wheels, he, he doesn't care. And so I was trying to think of a trip that, uh, that would be meaningful to him. And so I took him one year. I think he was 12 or 13. I took him to the International Car Show in Detroit. That's kind of like the Super Bowl of car shows. And so we, we left on, I think, probably a Thursday, and uh, we were headed to Detroit. It's about a five- or six-hour drive, I think six hours. But, but we headed out. What you got to understand is this happens in January, about this time of year. And so we, were, we, we took off. We had a great start. We stopped, got a bite to eat. When we got uh, about north of Cincinnati on I-75, snow started to fall. And so by the time we got to, say, Lima or Lima, however you pronounce that, I mean, the roads were starting to get covered. By the time we hit the northern Ohio, the roads were white. And by the time we got to, uh, slowly, by the time we got to the outskirts of Detroit, to the outskirts of downtown, it was whiteout conditions. And I was starting to wonder, was this a smart thing to do, to take off with my son in January? So anyway, we made it into Detroit, and I got lost downtown. 
And so I was probably in some places I probably didn't need to be, but I just, but, but by dead reckoning, I found myself back in the middle of downtown, still didn't know where I was, and this is a little hard for me to say, but I, I had to do something that no man <laughs> likes to do. I'm going to get a little emotional when I say it. I had to stop and ask for directions. And so I did. I got over it. Apparently not. But, but we found, we got to the hotel. We got settled in. And the next morning, we took a train to the Cabo Center, and my son killed me walking around. His goal was to set in every brand of car that they would let you set in. Some, some of them they wouldn't let you set in. Uh, but I think he did that. Uh, it took about 10 hours, but I think he, he made that happen. And so you could say that was a rough journey. As that journey progressed, it got messier. But the look on his face when he was experiencing this once-in-a-lifetime thing uh, told me that the destination was worth the journey. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. So we're going to review these, uh, these characteristics, these, these, uh, this, this kind of path that Randy's been talking about for the last several weeks. If you've missed any of those sermons, you can go online on journeyky.church. It's easy to find, and you can listen to those. If you want to go back and listen to them again, I think they're helpful. But this is just our way of, we talk about our mission statement of being a journey, helping people move on a journey. This is a way for us to try to show you what that looks like and how to take your next step. And so I thought, this is my opinion, I thought the four chair analogy that you guys have seen me do so many times was, was a good way to show you this journey. Uh, but when I was talking to Randy about it, he says, well, you know, people are going to say, well, I guess Tony's preaching when they see the chairs. And so, uh, so you might not want to put them up on the stage when you start to preach. And so I decided not to, but I'm going to put them up there now anyway. So can I get a couple of volunteers? You want to bring these up? Oh, don't, don't run over each other. <laughs> Were you the van in front of me? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Thank you, guys. Give them a give them a give them a round of applause. Okay. The first sermon that Randy talked about was uh, was how we start exploring Christ, um, exploring Christ, and so I think that fits in with chair number one. Uh, this is when we don't know Jesus. This is when uh, we're seeking Him, or He's compelling us. You know, and I think God does that to everybody, regardless of who you are. Uh, but this is, this is kind of tantamount to when Jesus, and again, this, this process we're telling you about mirrors Jesus' life, his model that he lived for us. And so Jesus, to the first people that started to follow him, that didn't really know him, you know, Randy told you the story of John and uh, Andrew. Uh, when they were following Jesus after John the Baptist had pointed him out and said, the, the, son of, the Son of God. And so they started following him, and, and Jesus just issued them a, just a simple challenge. And it was, come and see. And so that's the challenge that we issue people who don't know Jesus, people who are lost or spiritually dead. That's the description of that. We, it's our job to challenge him to say, just come and see. And so it's at this point when 
we can answer God's call. If we're in chair one, if that's us, then we can answer God's call. And then the next movement is to chair two, this chair. This is when we have become believers. This is when we come to the foot of the cross. This is when we've accepted Christ as our Savior, and we move into this chair, into this location on our journey, and we start to grow in Christ. We're growing in Christ. And that the challenge that Jesus gave his followers at this stage in their journey was just simply follow me. Just follow me. This is when we kind of begin a selfish journey. Because when we're in this location, when we're a new believer, it kind of is about us for a while. Because we need to develop our Christian disciplines. We need to develop a prayer life. We need to start getting into the Word. We need to start learning how to walk and talk and eat and sleep like Christians. And we need a lot of help at that location. We, we, we need people to help us move on our journey when that's us. And then as we grow, we move on to this location, this chair three, uh, where we grow, we grow close to Christ. And that is a process. And so at this point, we're here, we're selfish. We transition from being selfish to being selfless. And so at this point, we start to develop a concern for other people. Whether it's someone who's lost or whether it's someone who's just starting on their journey, this is when we start to engage in the ministry that Christ gave us. Christ modeled this for us. It's at this point that Christ issues a high-level challenge to us. Just like he issued to his followers two, two years into his ministry, he said, now follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So this is when we start going on our fishing trips. And this is when we'll start to see fruit in our lives. And it's fruit that's defined by Jesus. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And then the, the location that we're going to talk about today, it's kind of the ultimate place, is when we're in chair four, when we're Christ-centered. And that's what we're going to hone in on uh, today. When we're Christ-centered... This is when Jesus made his challenge to all of his disciples, not just the 12, when he said, now go and bear much fruit. There's fruit here. We bear fruit here. We bear much fruit, more fruit, when we live a Christ-centered life. And I think to be a Christ-centered life means that we're modeling the, the, the life that Christ modeled for us, that we're emulating that, that Christ's priorities become our priorities. See, I think that being more like Christ or being Christ-centered means to be more like Jesus. To be Christ-centered means our life should look more like the life that he lived when he was here as a human on this earth. Paul said it this way, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And I think that's what we're called to do. We need to adopt Christ's priorities as our own. We need to start owning the priorities that Christ showed us in his life. First John says this, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. And so that's what we're called to do. In Matthew, Jesus said this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In Christ's life, we're going to find some foundational priorities. 
These are priorities that he lived out in his life. And it's clear when you, when you study this life of Christ. And you know, I've been into that for the last three and a half years. Or the last, and just, it's amazing. So three and a half years of his life, that's how long it's taken me to get it. But, but I've been watching that and I see that and it's so clear to me that there were things that he had that were important. There were things that he had that he was just single-mindedly focused on. And we can learn so much by looking into that. And I think the priorities that he lived out made him God-centered. And so when we live out those priorities, that's going to make us Christ-centered. And so we have an example in Scripture of how people were living out through these priorities. And uh, it's one of my favorite sets of verses. It's in Acts chapter 2. And it describes that first church. And so they were living out, in my opinion, if you read this, they were living out a Christ-centered existence. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Because they were adopting Christ's priorities as his own. The first priority that they were living out was a Holy Spirit dependence. They were dependent on the Holy Spirit. Wonders and miracles were being performed. You know, they, they knew who the Holy Spirit was. They believed in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a mist. It wasn't a, a ghost. It was a person. And they were attached to the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I think they were dependent on the Holy Spirit for everything that they did. It said wonders and miracles were happening, and I believe they were happening because they believed they could. Have you ever had anybody say, why don't we see miracles today? Have people asked you? I've had people ask me that question. First answer is, I think they're happening. We're just not acknowledging them. But the most important thing I can say is, I think sometimes they don't happen because I'm not sure we believe they can. And see, we have to have faith that the Holy Spirit can do miracles, do great things through us, and that's God's plan. Another priority that they were living out was they lived a life of prayerful guidance. Prayerful guidance. The scripture says they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And so just as Jesus prayed, they were praying. Jesus' life was full of prayer. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But they had prayer in their lives. They were also committed to obedient living. It says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Now, they weren't just listening to the lessons, in my opinion. They were living those lessons out. They were submitting to the authority of the apostles. And, you know, the, the thing about that is, is I think that type of submission... It's important to note, that's, that's free will. That's voluntary. You know, anybody who submits themselves to this church, if someone comes to me and asks for counseling or if we go to them and, and try to spur them on to something else, it's like they, you all have got the choice. You either accept that or you don't. And I think they did too, and they willingly submitted to the authority and the teaching of the elders of the church. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus was submissive to the Father. Jesus was obedient to God. I like to put it this way. You've heard me say this before. Jesus was the second Adam. Adam was born into a sinless world, and he chose to sin. 
Jesus, on the other hand, was born into a sinful world. And he chose obedience to the Father's will. He was always obedient to the Father's will. He was man as God intended man to be. The second Adam. The next priority that I think the first church was living out, they were word-centered. They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple courts. First century Jews, when they attended the temple courts, when they met there, they were doing a few, quite a few things, but the main thing they were doing was consuming Scripture. They were learning it. They were making it their own. They were living a word-centered life. They weren't just getting into the Word. The Word was getting into them. Another priority that they were living out, they were exalting the Father. It says that they were praising God in everything that they did. And they were following Christ's example on that too because Jesus always praised God. Jesus never took credit for anything that he did. I've issued this challenge before and I'll issue it again. Show me a place in scripture where Jesus said, it's all me. I did all of this. He said, no, through the Father. You gave me the words that I gave to them. It's through you that I did all these things. They praised God. They also entered into relationships of love and integrity. It says they were having favor with all people, and every day the Lord added to their numbers those that were being saved. They did that through relationships. When we look at what they did, they took care of one another. Nobody had needs. They were living lives of, of, of love and relationships, and Jesus did the same thing. Jesus' ministry, the three and a half years that he lived on this earth, was all about relationships. Randy shared last week that this high-level challenge to make people fishers of men, that happened two years into his ministry. After he had gotten to know not just them, but their families, the wives, the children, the parents. He got to know everybody that was around them, and they got to know him, and they trusted him. And when he made that challenge, they were willing to drop their nets and go on. And I think this, this first church was living out all these priorities. You know, this, these, these things I've spelled out, they're the six foundational priorities of Christ. And I, I want to put out an invitation here. My wife and I have started a group. It's, it, we're getting going. It's, 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 uh, we're, we're building as it is right now. We're going to be meeting on Sundays at 6.30 in the evening. There's been a little bit, I think, of a misinformation or misconception about what this is. It, we, we're doing it at that time, it's concurrent with the youth program with hopes that maybe some parents that are volunteering uh, during the service can come down, spend some time with us, and, uh, and maybe parents that, that drop off their kids could come spend some time with us, but it's not closed to parents, it's for anybody. And so what we're going to be doing for the first six weeks starting next week is we're going to be digging in to the six foundational priorities of Christ. And so my challenge to you, if you're not in a group, I'm not competing trying to pull you away from other groups. If you're not in a journey group, I want to challenge you to give us six weeks. Just one hour a week for six weeks. When that's over, if you decide Sunday night's not the best night, if you decide 
that somehow it doesn't work out, if you figure out you just don't like me at all, then, then you, you're free to go. But I want to challenge you. Give me six weeks of your time, just one hour. Give me a call. I'm not hard to find. My cell phone number is on the website. My email's there. I would love to have you a part of that. This is just something, I, I, there's nothing special about me teaching this. I'm just a beggar trying to show other beggars where to find food. And so please consider the, the six-week challenge from me. And so here are the foundational priorities. We've laid that out. I've kind of laid out this journey uh, with this graphic. Um, so the question is now, what's the next step? I mean, you, Randy's preached about this for several weeks. I've, I've covered this. What, now what do I do? And so hopefully when you've looked at this, this kind of journey we've laid out, you can kind of determine about where you are. Uh, and it's important to know where you are to know what your next step is. So let's, let's go back and let's cover what these next steps are. Exploring in Christ. If you don't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus, one checkbox. Believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, be baptized. That's it. And notice that I didn't say, go home and get your act together. Get past all of your imperfections. Quit this, start doing this, and then you're good enough to come. No, it doesn't work that way. You will never be good enough to approach the throne of the creator of the universe. He offers grace to you freely, and he wants to, he wants to offer that to you right where you are. So don't fall into that false gospel that, that is somehow I've got to get better. One checkbox. If that's you today, consider that. You know, there's no sense in waiting. This, this uh, growing in Christ, this second position, where we're, we're starting to grow, we're starting to move on our journey, the thing starting to develop spiritual habits. There, you know, we had this on the spiritual growth card. If you haven't filled one of those out, I would encourage you to do that. If you can't find one back there, we'll, we'll get one for you. Just contact me or contact the office. But the first thing that we challenge you to do in this location, when we're growing in Christ, is commit to faithful attendance to the church. If this is your home, if you want this to be your home, commit to faithful attendance to Journey Church. Now, regular attendance is defined differently in from different people. Some people, that might be Christmas and Easter. And some people, that might be a couple times a month. And I know sometimes things happen, we're out of town, whatever, I get that. But what it really means is make coming to church a priority you know you can look at your calendar and see what the priorities are right and I mean make faithful attendance to the church a priority in your life we ask that you also commit to a journey group because just like in that that Acts chapter 2 church that I just described to you we can't do this alone we, we can't grow by ourselves that's a misnomer I know several people that say I can sit at home and watch TV and grow as a Christian I, I'm sorry I don't think you can I think, you know, we live in a society that separates us. We live in a society that puts us in our little cocoons called our houses and neighborhoods and subdivisions. And, you know, we have to do something to be countercultural because that's not the way the first church grew. That's not the way we got here in the first place. And so just one night a week meeting with other Christians in a journey group to study, to, to eat a meal together, to have fun together, to live a Christian life together. So it's, we think it's important to join a journey group. 
We also ask that you commit to your own spiritual growth. That's really important because 45 minutes or a half hour of us speaking from this stage to you can be motivational. But I don't think it can be transformational unless you're invested into your own spiritual growth. I can't do it all for you. Randy can't do it all for you. We, you know, we can do some things, but you've got to be willing to own your own spiritual growth. <clears throat> we also ask that you commit to a life of prayer. Jesus prayed a lot. Gave that, that, that example for us. Forty times it's recorded that Jesus went away to pray. Now, that's 40 times it was recorded, but in one of those verses it says, as was his custom, he got up early in the morning before everyone else and he went out to pray. So 365 by three and a half. It's a lot of prayer. And we, we want you, we want to help you, we want you to commit to a prayerful life, to a life saturated with prayer. We want, it, we want you to commit to developing the disciplines uh, like devotional times with God, you know, spiritual habits. You know, they say that after you do certain things for a certain amount of time, they become a habit. And so that's what you do when you're growing in Christ. Now, when we want to be close to Christ, we want to be at this location in our lives, we need to start committing our lives to sharing our faith with other people. Remember I told you if this was selfishness and this is selflessness, it's not about us anymore. We start to learn that it's about other people. We start to share our faith. Then we need to develop the habit and the practice of investing time with other people. That's going to cost you something, but that's what we're called to do, to spend time with a few. Jesus spent a lot more time with the 12 than he did with the masses and spent more time with the three leaders than he did even with the 12. And he calls us to do the same thing, to invest our time into people that are in our circle of influence. Whether it's a family member, whether it's a church member, whether it's a lost person, it's at this point that we need to start developing that true concern for other people. When we do that, folks, we're making disciples. This is the point where we start to make disciples. And when we do that, we're going to see fruit in our lives, and we're going to see the fruit that Jesus defined, and folks, that is making disciples disciples that's the fruit that jesus defines in scripture and then we want to move to this this location this kind of this not the pinnacle uh, that's 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 later but we're going to move to this time of being christ centered now what that means is we need to be pouring everything that we've learned in our lives into other people does that mean that we're not doing all these other things no not at all it means that all those things are established habits and practices in our lives. But at this point, we start to pour more of that into other people. And it's reflected in Christ's model for us. And folks, that means this is when disciples that we make start making disciples. When the process starts to duplicate itself. You know, I've, I've once heard that said, you're making disciples here, but you really haven't made a disciple until they've made a disciple. And I think there's truth in that. I've got a, I've got a little bit of a warning here. This chair can get really comfortable. I mean, when it's all about me, sign me up. And that's me. If you, if you want to focus on me, I'm all about that. 
And sometimes we get stuck here in this chair and it gets so comfortable that we can't move. It becomes a barrier because we're just thinking it's all about me. Just feed me. Just keep me happy. Make sure the coffee's hot and the music's not too loud. It's so easy to get stuck right here, but that's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to, to make disciples that make disciples. God calls us to live holy lives. I don't know if you noticed it, but that uh, what I spelled out, those, those priorities of Christ, uh, spell out an acrostic. You want to put that up on the screen? It's called Holy Spirit Power. That's when we're living a Holy Spirit-dependent life, when we're living a life of prayerful guidance, of obedient living when we're living a word-centered life, when we're exalting the Father in everything that we do, and when we're entering into relationships of love and integrity with other people, that's what it's all about. If this helps you remember that better, then that's great. That's, that's the whole purpose of it. A little bit of the, my Baptist background coming back, you know, with the acrostics. But, man, it is a wonderful way to help us learn. Our, com our mission here at Journey Church is to help move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. It's why we exist. Our motive, the reason we want to do that is because we want to love God, love people, and make disciples that make disciples. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but that mirrors, that's just another way of restating the Matthew 28 Great Commission. Really, it's an everyday commission when, when Jesus said, now as you go about your daily business, tell people about the promise that I offer. Tell them the good news of the free gift that I want to offer them. Then make disciples, make followers and students of all the nations. And then if you do all these things, teach them to obey my commands. And my command is to make followers or to make disciples. And when that happens, when you do this, I will be with you, not just today, not just in the near future, the immediate future, but until the end of the age. Folks, that's what we want for Journey Church, is to fulfill that mission. I hope if anything you've learned in this series, I've heard, I hope they've just learned where you are in this journey. And by knowing where you are, then you'll know also what your next step is. And I want to encourage you to pray about and consider taking that next step on your journey. All those things that I told you, all those commitments that we'd like you to make, I'd want you to consider that. If you're here and you're exploring Christ, and I don't know if there are people here or not that are doing that, probably. If that's you, then my message is strong for you today. Let's check that box off of accepting Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's just confessing with your mouth. It's believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. We'll follow in baptism, and there's no reason to wait for that. And so I always want to give you a chance to respond to that message. We're going to have a couple of things that happen uh, afterwards. Somebody's starting a great journey today. Uh, you'll see that in a second, but we're going to have a song. We're going to finish up, and then I'm going to be up here for that last song before we wrap the service up today. I'm going to stand up here. Yeah, it's a little awkward. 
you know, for me to do that. That's all right. If you think it's going to be embarrassing, well, I'll take that for you. But come on up. Come on up while that song's playing. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, for your gifts. We thank you for just revealing this model to us, this way that you live, that you gave that for us to live. Got to pray a special blessing on each and every one who's, who's here today, who's heard your words.